Welcome to Central Line, the AHA podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin. Hi, welcome back to Central Line. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Berlin, and I have the special treat of being here in person at AVMA with three special guests today. We have Julie Legred, Shannon Thompson, and Deb Reeder. Thank you so much for making this happen. This is so exciting. We're thrilled to be here. Honored to be here. I agree, and I'm glad we could work it out that we were all together in the same room and yeah. together. It feels so special. It really is. It really is. I mean, the bridge bridge across the borders and right? with passion that's still the same. We're international and right now. We are. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all laughing last night. I was just had this observation. We're all three farm girls. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So it's oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't start out that way. <laughs> well, I, I can't ever say that I was a farm girl, but I did basically grow up on a horse farm. Um, but it wasn't my horse farm. Oh. I just, you know, played in the dirt a lot and yeah. yeah, never washed my hands and yeah. yeah. So there you go. <laughs> it was yours in your heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wished it was mine. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great to have you. Um, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics today, which I know the three of you get so passionate about and excited about. And um, I've heard you talk about this before and it just really, you just light up the room when you talk about it. And so I'm very excited to be in that room. Um, we're going to be talking about technician utilization and empowerment and um, why we have everything we need right now and the technicians that we have. So uh, getting into that in a minute. But first, I wanted to have you three introduce yourselves and just say a little bit about who you are and what you do right now. I'm Julie Legard. I've been a certified veterinary technician um, from Minnesota for close to 40 years now. Um, I don't feel that old, but... Um, experience. Yes, experience. There you go. <laughs> um, I have had a whole wide range of experiences throughout my career. Um, small animal exotic. Um, my husband has a swine breeding stock company that I kind of moved from St. Paul and down into the southern Minnesota, and that's how I became my farm girl. Um, I have four boys. I have done a wide, wide range of things um, throughout veterinary medicine, which I feel very honored and blessed to have done. So anywhere from the small animal practice to um, teaching program director at one of the Minnesota programs, um, executive director for the National Association of Veterinary Technicians in America, Win Feline Foundation, which is now Every Cat Health Foundation, um, Consulting, Banfield, I've pretty much done the whole shebang. I was going to say, I you know, Julie, if only you would just do something with your life. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, I, I'm one of the long time have held out my career and I still love it. So love that. Yeah. yeah. It's too bad you can't do anything with a tech degree, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how true, how true. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Shannon Thompson. I'm an RVT from Ontario, Canada. Uh, I've also, I've been an RVT for 31 years and uh, it, I'm not done yet. I've, I've had the great opportunity to have a career that ebbs and flows with your life. And I think that really is, says nothing. It, for, it's so close 
It is the truth. Really, it is. So I've had the pleasure of being small animal, large animal, equine, emergency referral, specialty, uh, education. Um, I, I had a locum business before locum techs were a thing. And and uh, and now I've my, my most recent um, executive director for the uh, Registered Veterinary Technologists and Technicians of Canada. And, you know, I'm just being able to do what matters, what, what I'm passionate about. And that's the people that we have in our field. You know, as much as we care for the animals, it's really about the people that we work with every day and the teams that we work with every day. And it's a career that you're only limited by your imagination. And... Whether it's mobilizing, whether it's um, uh, utilizing, whether it's empowering, as long as we're talking about RVTs, I'm happy. (laughs) (laughs) See what I mean? I mean, you guys just get so fired up about this, and I love it so much. Like, I just, the hearing the breadth of experience that you've had as technicians, I just love it. Deb, what about you? Um, so I'm in this same realm, <laughs> um, and I want to just take a, a moment and really truly thank you for this vested interest in our profession. Um, it's it's refreshing, it's needed, and we're just applauding. <laughs> we're applauding you. Um, it's been too long, I think, that we've not had these conversations enough, yes. so it's time um, so I have been a registered veterinary technician since 1983, and now in Texas I'm a licensed veterinary technician because they've changed the terminology. <laughs> um, That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but I have um, mainly been in the equine uh, sector career, you know, for all of that. Uh, worked in equine referrals and ambulatory practices and had an opportunity to uh, join a corporate uh, company back in the early 90s, and I saw through that all the tools and resources that were offered in small animal that was not offered in equine. And so I came out of that, fired up again, and uh, went and uh, started doing consulting work with equine practices to bring some of those tools. And then um, a group of us in Texas realized there was another missing in our profession, and that was an association just for equine technicians, because we are a different animal. <laughs> and so um, people are different animals. Yes. For sure. <laughs> I say that as one. <laughs> so uh, formed the uh, American Association of Equine Veterinary Technicians and Assistants in uh, 2002. And I served as um, the president for a couple of years till it got its on its feet. And now I'm the executive director and have been since then. And I as well uh, was um, an instructor at my alma mater where I graduated from and then also taught at a um, online program equine large animal and um, we've we've formed um, you know the academy for equine veterinary nursing technicians uh, we've uh, created an equine manual for equine veterinary technicians and anesthesia society so there's like you say, there's just so many opportunities and you just have to look at those opportunities and take advantage of them and bring your passion to them and others will follow. And that's what's been an amazing journey for me. So I feel very privileged to be a part of it. And that concludes our podcast. (laughs) All the things that you can do with a technician degree. (laughs) We could just leave it right there. But um, I, I just love hearing about all of that and it makes me inspired and it makes me hopeful um, because I think so, so many of these conversations have focused on, you know, what 
we're not doing. And I love hearing about technicians who have really taken that degree and taken your experience and said, I see a need in the profession and I want to help fill it. And, um, and you are all doing that so beautifully. Um, before we get into talking more about that, though, I always ask one personal question of our guests. Sometimes it's about your autobiography and what it would be called, you know, but um, I really wanted to know what breed of dog you would all be. So one, two, three, go. <laughs> so somebody else asked me this question earlier this week, so really? I feel like I have... How uh, you know like you're at a vet conference. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. So I came up with Golden Retriever. Mm-hmm. I, I love them as... I have one. Oh, uh, yeah. Remy's a sweetheart. And I have had Golden Retrievers um, most of my life, but... I really, I like their personality. I think they're outgoing. Not that I'm all of that, but I love people. I love my profession. I love interacting and going above and beyond however I can help people um, in my profession. So I, that's, that's why I chose Golden Retriever. I love it. Who doesn't love a golden? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm not going to select a breed so much as I'm just Snoopy. <laughs> I just... Love dancing in the rain, flying on the rooftop. It doesn't matter if someone wants to join me or not. I don't mind doing my own thing or being the strange one out. I just want to have fun and just love everybody and, like, let's do something. Perfect. I've never heard anyone say Snoopy, so but you're, you're also an original. <laughs> That's the chicken. <laughs> Uh, so I would have to say an Aussie, and I've owned uh, them for years, but um, wild, free, herding, loving, loyal, and um, independent. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah, and um, but with, with a really good joy instinct, yes. too, yeah. All right. Let's go have some fun. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, yep. Serious That's when you good. need to be. Yeah. Get the job going. done. No way goes going. Work hard, play hard, right? Yeah. Oh. yeah. We do that well, too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. So, um, you know, we've been, I, I first met you three, um, well, I, I knew Shannon before, but I first met the three of you together talking about this um, when you were presenting to the board of directors, the AHA board of directors about technician utilization. And that day, we had been seeing a lot of presentations about a mid-level professionals and whether it was time to bring in somebody into the profession in a, a different role. Um, but you three had so many amazing things to say about the, the mid-level professionals we already have, which are our credential technicians, and um, the ways in which we could elevate that career and make sure that technicians can have all of the opportunities that they're already trained to take advantage of. Um, and so that's what I wanted to talk about today predominantly. So, um, I was just curious for an intro, you know, how do you see technicians as actually being an answer to the troubles that we're having right now with staffing and retention? I can go. Um, I know we're all like chomping at the bit to say something, but uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I really think that if we're utilized correctly and are giving, given that opportunity to grow in our career, that we're already there. And, and along with the veterinary technician specialists, we've already outlined that. I'm not against having that mid-level next tier eventually, mm-hmm. but this is something we, we have right in front of us that we could be fixing right now. And 
preventing some of the um, technicians from leaving the profession at an early stage. Um, I think it can solve a lot of problems, solve team well-being. Um, I think it's a whole solution to many of the problems that we're experiencing right now. We, we have a framework that's been proven. Uh, we have, you know, accredited education that over and over has produced, uh, uh, repetitively repoose, <laughs> produced uh, quality, um, knowledgeable, and proficient skill sets. We, we have a framework that has over 30 years, uh, being one of the first ones to write the VTE, you know, we, we have a proficiency there and a, and a, and a, um, reliable product that's being produced for the lack of, sorry, not that anybody's a product, but it, it's really tangible. It's proven itself. And the only challenge we have is we haven't, we haven't all used them well. And we all know, we've all seen nuggets. We all know clinics that have zero trouble hiring, mm-hmm. have have technicians that are happy and grow within it. We, we know there's nuggets out there. How can we make those nuggets mainstream? And we talk about, you know, more, and it's not about just putting more onto the RVT. It's about everybody working at the top of their license, the veterinarian working at the top of their license, the RVT or credential veterinary technician working at the top of their license, and the veterinary team that supports them all. I think it's really important that we're not looking to add more. We're looking to become more efficient in what we have. Yeah, you're so right that we have, um, you know, we have so many capable people working in the clinics right now. And so many of them, I feel like don't even don't know that we know they're capable. And I feel like I was trained in a way where we weren't trained to rely on technicians and trust what they've learned and what they know. And so it's very hard to get out of that mindset for veterinarians who, you know, got out of school and immediately the first place they're thrown into might not use technicians in the way that the vet school did, or maybe the vet school didn't do a very good job. And that's the only way you know how to practice. So it does feel kind of like a paradigm shift, but it shouldn't be to let people do what they're trained to do, you know, um, and to give them the opportunity to grow just like we have. Um, so uh, it's definitely inspiring to hear about. And also, like, I wish I'd had that from the very beginning, you know. Well, and I think too. I look back at what this profession has almost suffered through, at least, you know, in my 40 years out here, mm-hmm. you know, starting out at $5 an hour and getting really excited when you made it to 11 <laughs> and getting told you were the highest paid equine technician in the United States. I'm like, well, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's supposed to make me feel happy. <laughs> but I think just looking back at that, at that, Despite where we have not been fully utilized and despite that we still believe in our profession and treat it as a profession and others are, are joining it with that mindset that, um, you know, we need to turn around. Okay, they persevered here. This is a group that is hung in there with you, even though we haven't been fully utilized, even though we've gone to school. And, um, you know, let's embrace them again. Um, and, you know, give them the opportunity to truly be team, you know, leaders with you and, and, um, and support you in your career as well. It takes, 
it takes all of us. It truly takes a village. Yeah. Veterinarians cannot do this profession by themselves. No. Veterinarian I can't even do blood work by myself. Yeah, I can't <laughs> do it either. And the animal, and I've said this in, to the AEP many times, the horse needs both of us. Yeah. It needs all of us. Our animals need all of us. Our profession needs all of us. We yeah. need all of us. Yeah. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's yeah. very true because we have to lean on each other, not thinking that we have to do it all as an individual. Right. It takes the entire team from front to back, back to front, to and that's, I think, helps with the well-being aspect of it, too. For sure. And, and if we all, if you think about it a little bit in all of our experiences, Katie, I think you can appreciate too. When we first graduate, we depend on our team to grow. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I can, I, I know myself, I've supported many new graduates, veterinarian graduates in being comfortable and confident in their skill and grow. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with our RVTs. They're coming in and they're new and they're fresh and they haven't had practice. Do we expect them to do nerve blocks and epidurals on day one? No. But with a supportive team and goals and and talking to each other and say, how can we make our team more efficient? And where, you know, when you talk about where do you start, you start with your team and talk. Where do you want to go? How can you do it together? Where can we get additional training and support? How can we utilize some of the things? How can we elevate our, our care? You know, it's gone as this gold standard. It's about the best care we can provide. What is the best care that we together as a team can grow together and provide? And it doesn't mean every single person have to do a nerve block. Let's try and tailor some of those skills that's to those that really want to learn it and are passionate about it. They're going to do fantastic. They're going to rock it out of the park. And guess what? They're going to train the next one that comes in that is interested as equally. And you're right. The passions within each individual can be extremely powerful on a team. If you have somebody that's really passionate about, say, parasite control, use their passions and let it show throughout the practice because that's ultimately going to help that pet and the owner understand what, you know, what it is we're asking them to do. It's almost like creating a, a triage approach to every appointment and every animal that comes in, like, okay, who is the most qualified in this area? Who's the most qualified here? Who can handle this? And making sure everybody knows where their, you know, their arena is doesn't mm-hmm. mean we're, we don't cross train because we love being cross trained and, and, and do that as well. But it's, it's, I think it's that approach instead of, okay, this is all on me. No, <laughs> who, right. who, can, who can help? You know, we don't all have to be everything no. to everybody and every patient. And that is such an important point because I know as vets, I can't speak for technicians, but as vets, we feel like we have to be able to do it all. And like you said, you know, we all got out of vet school not knowing how to do almost everything. (laughs) I mean, getting out of vet school and going into the practice on the first week was terrifying because I was like, I don't even know how to treat this ear infection. You know, I don't even know what meds we have on the shelf to treat an ear infection and then how to use them. And the technicians helped me with all of that. Like my first practice was in New York state. And so all the technicians were licensed and they knew their stuff and were utilized. And, um, we, you know, it was a model where most of the, everything was done in the treatment area. So you didn't stay in the exam room very long. So not particularly client interactive in that way, but 
it was very helpful for a new grad vet because you could just whisk everything to the back, you know, and then the technician would be like, okay, here's what you do. <laughs> and that happened a lot. You know, there's my block cat tray like set up before the block cat even left the exam room because they knew what I was going to need. And I didn't. And um, I would be lost without the education that I got from those technicians and a lot of the technicians in vet school. Um, and yet then working at a couple of places where the technicians didn't have as much power um, to use their skills, or we didn't have as many licensed technicians who had been trained in that way, I sort of got out of the habit, you know, of depending on them and to do what they knew. And um, it was hard to adjust again then when I got to a practice where the technicians were fully utilized, we had a bunch of credentialed techs and they were fantastic. And they kept telling me to go away. <laughs> I was like doing the hovering, you know, I was trying to log my own stuff and like drop my own drugs and, you know, take care of everything myself. And they were like, we got this, you know, go eat bonbons and come back when we're ready for you. And it was lovely. And I could get my calls done, you know, like imagine that. Get do what do what you were trained to do. Right. Yes, and why you went through veterinary school. Right. And that's a huge burden to put on anybody that you have to know everything. It is. And you're the end, you know, responsibility. Ah, no wonder we have stress in our profession. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. And that's one of the things is that as an RVT and same as a veterinarian, when you come out of school, you don't know what you know. Really, right. it's all in there, and and the, and then that's what you've been taught. You've been taught the ability to learn. You've been taught. You've taught a lot of amazing information that you may not exactly use today. But once you start opening those doors, you're like going, "Oh yeah, this is where that's for, or that's how this comes." Like you have all of this depth of knowledge and skills that are waiting to be explored and developed, and and Love that's that. and that's what. That's what, you know, that's what it comes out of, out of accredited education, whether it's a veterinarian or whether it's a technician, is that you have this depth that you don't even know exists until you start tapping into it. And it was like, oh, yeah. And then you're, you're amazed. I remember my first job. The, the technician left for England for three weeks on the first day, and I was the only RVT in, in, the, in two practices. And then they come to me and ask me questions. But I remember going back to the kennel going, how do I clean these kennels? I know I need a disinfectant. I know I need an, an agent or somehow to apply it, but I'm going, where's the scrub brush? Where's the spray bottle? What is it? Do I have to make it? I knew what I needed to know, but I just didn't quite know how to apply it. Yeah. Right. Like, so, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. You have the information and the knowledge. You just need to have the team and the support to put it all together and, and have it grow. And you can learn from your mistakes. Yeah. yeah. You know, and be okay with those mistakes because everybody makes them. Yeah. Hopefully not to the detriment of the animal or the client. Yeah. But, you but know. that's we, why you have your team. That's right? why you have your team mm-hmm. and um, the support. And resources. Yes. So don't yeah. be afraid to go back to a book and look yes. something up. And yep. just know that you're not alone. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to understand we, we take our own professions you know, we, we know and understand what what it is we've learned, but we don't always take time to think about what the other, so like veterinary professionals learn in their career or in their um, curriculum, what technicians learn in their curriculum. You don't understand all of the skills that we actually have had to have master in our programs to yeah. graduate and then to also pass it on the board 
you know, for practicing in your particular state or province. So um, I think it, it, you know, it's not wrong that you don't focus on what it is you're doing, but I think it'd be better if team members understood what each individual role had to do to get where they're at. It, that is such a great point. And, and what Shannon said about, um, you know, what you've brought with you out of school is the ability to learn and the knowledge that you can, you can learn and grow. Um, because school is so much about challenging yourself, you know, to do things that you never thought you could know or do. And, um, and that mindset of somebody who goes through that education and willingly puts themselves through um, studying for the VTNE and getting through all of those labs and doing things that they were terrified to do the first time. Um, that's something that I can really relate to. You know, that feeling from vet school is so fresh of like being in the clinic, being like, oh, my God, they're going to ask me a question. You know, <laughs> any second now they can ask me a question. And, um, and it all turned out okay. And then you come out knowing that you, at some point, can pick something up, even if you don't know it now. You know where to go to get it, and you know that you have the resources to be that person if you want to be. Um, and so I, I, that brings me to a question that I had, which is, you know, we, I feel like a lot of times are afraid of overwhelming our technicians by asking them to do things that are harder or more, because they're so busy already, Right. But they're busy doing things that maybe someone else could be doing. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, do we want to overwhelm them by saying, you know, hey, I want you to learn how to do epidurals when they're not even reading ear cytologies? Um, I think some people are sort of put the brakes on there and they're like, no, I can't ask that much of my technicians, you know. But as technicians, what's your response to that? I don't think it's overwhelming them. I think it's giving them an opportunity and, an, and, a, and empowering them to step in to a niche where they are passionate about something. You know, not again, the technician doesn't have to know it all, but give them some opportunities to find their niche and grow there. You know, I've always had this interest in this area, imaging. Take it and run with it. Build an income center here for my practice. So the overwhelm comes from doing all the stuff that this is mundane and I'm not passionate about it anymore, you know? Yeah. But I think letting them channel themselves into a place that supports the practice more and supports them. I think having the conversation with the team, Mm -hmm. you know, what are we doing right now? What can we do better? How can we improve as a team and, and have a checklist, start with a list. And some of them are going to push the envelope and, and we need those because sometimes we we're we're not confident in what our abilities are, what we can do, but someone else sees that in you Mm -hmm. and we need that. So sometimes it's terrifying. And so, and I've heard them say, well, my technician doesn't want to do that today. Right. <laughs> How about we work or work them up to that? Her, him, they. We, let's work them up to it. Let's add them to their plate. Let them see what they enjoy when they can grow and see how that is. If you're providing a supportive environment, if your communication within your team is strong, you can do anything, and you can do anything together. And I think that's important. And that goes as much that if somebody wants to learn or is not sure, send them to a conference. 
not just send them to the back room to listen to some online CE. Send them to a conference where they can go to a session about epidurals or nerve blocks. They can be in a room with other RVTs, talk about it. They can learn from each other. They can bring it back and talk about how can we make this happen in our practice. It's support all the way around. Not to say, oh yeah, you can do it. Support them in education. Support them in networking with RVTs. Send them on an intern with a, with a clinic that you know does like 40 a day. You know, help them to set up a relationship where they can go and actually be immersed in it, learn about it, and really decide for themselves if it's for them or not. But, you know, show them that you're in a team that can learn. And, and there's so many opportunities. I could go on all day. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's good. Yeah. And I think it is helping practices with how to do some of this. They don't know. Right. You know, it's like creating a, a triage template creating a self-assessment, you know, something quick and simple, not mm-hmm. don't overwhelm the, the, the right. veterinary, <laughs> like, oh my goodness. But, you know, we know some of the needs that practices need and how to do it. We've worked in those practices. We've helped them succeed. And so, again, here's another area that, you know, your how technician you group can help yeah. the veterinary group. How, how to grow the team. I mean, ask. Ask what their passions are. Where where do they see themselves in five years? What do they want to be doing? They don't always have to think that the only place to reach next is, like, maybe a practice manager. Maybe that's what they want to do. Maybe, maybe that's in their not. plan. Maybe yeah. it's not. But let's not forget about the BTS, the veterinary technician specialties that do come into play and could really impact that practice if they were supported in pursuing those things. And that's a whole other level of education Mm -hmm. and commitment to the profession, um, research, um, expanding your own skill sets beyond, again, what you thought you could do. But um, those are are our our next level. You know, um, we should all strive to hopefully get to those places because those are also specialties. Those people have found something they're truly passionate about. This is where I want to, you know, gear my career towards. And yeah, there's something beautiful about just saying, you know what, this is the area I really love and I'm willing to maybe not do so much of these other things so that I can become the person to go to for this thing. And um, that I would imagine gives a real sense of self-worth and empowerment that technicians often don't get encouraged to have. I'd just like to add that as easily as we can talk about it, it's not always that easy. Yeah. And that's true. Like, yes. I think we'd be remiss in saying that this this is hard. Yeah. It's hard work. It's tough for teams to do it. And you may have all the passion and the desire in the world. Mm-hmm. And it may be, you may have hurdles. You may try and it doesn't work. Please try again. Mm-hmm. You can't do it alone. You probably need someone to come in and help you. You yep. probably need to reach out to other clinics that you know are have these amazing rock star teams and you wonder how on earth they do it. Ask. I'm mm-hmm. sure they will help you. There's yeah. so many out there. Um, and, and it's tough, but it's so worth it. We're doing this road trip, so just put your, <laughs> clinic, put your clinic on the list. 
can you just stop by my house? Yeah. You guys make me really happy. I'll bring wine. No. Um, you know, I I love that too because um, it does seem like something where people will get easily discouraged if they For sure. approach one. You know, maybe they don't have a lot of credentialed techs on their team, and so they approach their one or two technicians and they say, "This is what we'd like to do." You know, are you into it? And the techs say, "Yeah, maybe." You know, okay, but they didn't. They don't have a plan. You don't have a plan, and you're so busy as a practice owner or a manager or the associate veterinarians, you're just stretched. Um, so what would you say are some of the, the first things that a practice could do? And I know this will be practice and person dependent, but, you know, say you have kind of the traditional practice model, and I'm making air quotes here because I know everybody's different. In my experience, the traditional model has been sort of to have a mix of like people who are called veterinary, veterinary technicians, but some of them are credentialed and some aren't. They all do pretty much the same things. They do a lot of nail trims and blood draws, and the doctor does pretty much all the other stuff. And the technicians are starting to feel a little bit antsy about maybe not being able to do all the things that they learned how to do. What would be a good first step for a practice like that? So to me, I think it's implementing an onboarding system or process from the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, even if you don't have it now, with all the new hires moving forward, make sure it's in place and gain an understanding. Make sure you ask each individual that comes on your team, what do you want to do? Where do you see yourself? It'll change, no doubt, but at least you're asking and having understanding that they do want to grow some and go somewhere. Um, it's, I think it's a part of the longevity thing, too, yeah. keeping them in, in the practice and um, on their team forever. Yeah, big point. And what the veterinarian is comfortable letting go of. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one, right? We're not always <laughs> you know, that good at that. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's almost a self-assessment yeah. of the veterinarians themselves. Okay, yes, this area, I, I'm willing to help the technician group take this on. I'm willing to let go of that. Over here, I'm not quite sure yet, so I'm going to have to build some more trust we're going to have to have some more, you know, conversations, demonstrations, training, whatever it takes. Um, and I think that's ultimately our goal through all of these conversations is allow the credential veterinary technician and VTS to be able to practice and contribute at the top of our license, thereby letting the veterinarian practice at the top of theirs. So they're not overwhelmed doing things they don't enjoy doing. Right. Yeah. That's no fun. No, I, I barely had to trim a nail in the last four and a half years. Oh, and it was God, pretty that's great. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, is protect your team. Like, we are in a crisis. There's no doubt about it. I don't think we have to confirm that or not. But I think now more than ever, hospitals, hospital managers, owners, you need to step out of the box. To, and I'm going to say you need to because you do. You need to protect your team. Yeah. And protecting your team means you shut the phones off at 4 o'clock so you can finish the day by 6. If it means you shut down maybe two nights of the week or no more weekend appointments, if you're booking appointments four and six or three months out, your business is doing fine. You're not going to go bankrupt tomorrow by closing an hour early. Invest in your team. Yeah. Protect them. Support them. Is your manager in a place to lead something like this? If not, are they interested? If they're interested, help them with training, real training, 
face-to-face training, mm-hmm. bring in consultants, send them to conferences, send them to training. There's amazing conferences out there that are specifically um, manage, ma- people managing, training, supporting, growth, unique. We, we've been there. We've seen them. Yep. And and then they're within a community that can support them because it's not just the training today, but do they have colleagues that they've learned in that framework that can support them every day? Oh, I tried this, but it didn't work. What else do I do? Oh, don't worry. You know, somebody just to bounce an idea off or, or whatever. So creating or helping them build a community to support them with their level, perhaps like a manager. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that framework, it's really hard for a team to grow and do some of these things. So really taking the time to... Protect your team and provide a framework that allows for learning, allows for training, and allows for communication today, next week, the week after, and the week after that. So whether it means you are closed every Wednesday for an hour and a half, period, you are closed an hour and a half for one day a week for the next six months, the next year, you are doing that for your team to support them as you both, as you all transition to becoming more efficient, more collaborative, engaged again. And guess what? Your business is going to flourish as a result. And so many of these associations have amazing resources out there now that I think the membership forgets about. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's also reminding them again or, you know, making that a little more accessible again. So they go, oh, if I need that information, I can just go here. Yes. And if that doesn't work, oh, this... This group over here has that? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a really good point. A lot of stuff already exists, and that doesn't mean we all, we all know immediately where to find it. Mm-hmm. It's a good point, though, because as we know, technicians don't always get the benefits or have the benefits that include much of what the veterinarians are. And I know not all veterinarians get everything, but think about the dues mm-hmm. membership fees that your technicians have to pay for their state association, the national association, any of those special things that they like to do, all of that adds up. And when some of the practices are giving $200 a year, maybe for continuing education, wow, that doesn't even go to there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even cover continuing ed. It doesn't include the membership fees that, yeah, to belong to your professional organizations. And those are a lot of great resources right there. That's a, so. that's a really good point, Julie, because I don't think I ever thought about that. I have no idea what technicians I've worked with got for a CE allowance or dues. And I just assumed at every job that I would have all of that paid. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, and, and that's, I feel kind of sh- ashamed about that. Like, you know, the technicians thinking about it, impact the practice financially just as much as the veterinarians do. Like maybe I could do a surgery that a technician legally couldn't do and I could, you know, approve the blood work that gets run that makes us some money. But the technicians drawn that blood, you know, I probably couldn't hit the vein on half of the patients when the blood gets drawn. And the technicians are so much a part of the education and compliance that we have and the follow-up and the client loyalty um, because they're the ones who really are taking care of those clients a lot of the time that I don't even see. And, um, and it doesn't make any sense to me not to invest in them just as much in terms of not just paying a living wage, which we'll get to in a minute, but 
things like dues and making sure that they get to go to a conference and not just sit in the back room on a webinar that was free, you know? Right. And we, we have continuing education that you, it's we required. have to meet. Yeah, it's required. Yeah. It's required. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and to this too, uh, for a practice for their insurance, a lot of times if they can show they have vested interest in their staff training and education, their insurance rates are reduced. Mm. Interesting. Take note of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Replay. (laughs) Um, Luckily, this is being recorded. (laughs) So that's on record. Um, But I, I absolutely, that's very important. And, you know, and clients notice too. Like they know if they call the practice and the only person who can ever answer any of their questions is a veterinarian. And just because they're used to it, because a lot of practices are run that way, doesn't necessarily mean it gives them the confidence in the practice that they need. They'll say, I only want to talk to the vet or I want to see my vet. They don't think this practice is who takes care of my pets. And that's really what we need to avoid one vet feeling like they have to do everything on the planet. One of the outstanding practices in the equine field does just that. They take their interns out with them to all of their calls so that their clients get to know the interns and the technicians and they tell them, I am comfortable with this intern veterinarian. I am comfortable with this technician. So any questions you have, please feel free to direct them to them. If you can't reach me again, why are you putting all the burden on one person? Right. (laughs) Who wants to be that? Some people I feel like want to be that person. I do not ever want to be that person. (laughs) (laughs) I think Deb, that's that's the message for, you know, even the small animal cleanse. How do I get, how are the clients going to adapt to uh, a credential veterinary technician doing an exam or, or doing the history or doing the treatments or the follow-ups? Because you're going to tell them. Right. You're going to tell them this is an individual, a professional on our team that we, uh, we, we train together. We support the same mission and vision throughout the, the, the hospital. We are, they are representative of the quality of care that we are providing to our team. Um, you will see them in the exam room, and we have full trust that they will deliver the best medicine that our team can offer. Share that message. Tell your clients. You're the one that's, you know, that's where it's coming from. Yeah. They, will, they just want the best for their pet, and if you tell them it's the best, they're game on. Yep. Same way with that. I know a lot of vets like me will tell their clients, you know, because the clients sometimes are like, why aren't you doing the blood draw? Dude, you don't want me doing a blood draw. (laughs) (laughs) This technician next to me drew blood from a bald eagle in front of everyone yesterday. Like, I I would prefer that she do my blood draw. Exactly. (laughs) When you think about it, you want your own doctor? No. When was the last time they had to draw blood? No, no way. Um, I would do it once in a while, like, to keep my hand at it, you know, but, like, no, under duress, absolutely not. Um, we, as an association, we get asked all the time, well, why aren't you doing more public advertising? Why aren't we doing more media mm-hmm. stuff about education? We'd love to. Unfortunately, that's got to be one of the most expensive things that's for so us to do. So yeah. expensive. But guess who is in front of clients <laughs> every single day, multiple people, multiple times a day? The veterinary team, veterinarians are our number one client-facing, public-facing. If they they can educate, they can help us share this message. Yeah, and And it will benefit them immediately. It does, and it reinforces it when you say it once or twice, or the next time they come, you're still you're still toting the same message. Yep. (sighs) That's worth in twenty thousand dollars for a five-second commercial any day. Yeah. I I got a question to ask you that I didn't I didn't give you ahead of time. (laughs) 
Spoiler okay, alert. We're good. Sometimes <laughs> I give questions ahead of time. You know, we're really chill. But, yeah. But I'm just wondering. So I, I feel like, and I want this to come out the way I want it to come out, but I don't know if it will. But I feel like because of the way that we've treated vet techs for so long um, as sort of, you know, I, I hate the word support staff. Like, I just don't like that phrase very much because I feel like everybody's equally important in supporting each other. But I feel like we've encouraged vet techs not to treat themselves like professionals. I feel like we've treated it like a cutesy profession for so long that it's hard sometimes for veterinary technicians to say, I am a professional on par with the doctor that I'm standing next to, and I can can comport myself in, in a way that conveys that I know that and I'm proud of it. And that's not because I feel like the technicians are deficient in any way or don't take pride in themselves, but just because we haven't treated them that way for so long that it's become sort of ingrained. Do you have a response to that? Uh, the first thing that comes up to, for me is cutting. I feel like some may have tried to create their own identity um, that they're comfortable in because that's the space mm-hmm. they've been allowed to be in. Yeah. Yes, for sure. That I'm sure this isn't something that vet techs created for themselves. No. Um, but if you saw us running through the practice with white coats, <laughs> like we used to do, <laughs> there, there would be some eyeballs. Rolling. Yeah, <laughs> what is going on here? I don't even like wearing a white coat. No, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, we we've created a niche that involves cute scrubs and mm-hmm. you know paw prints on everything that says we are here to like pet your puppies and kittens. And in reality, they're doing so much of the hard work that it's it's unfair, um, but also sort of self fulfilling. Yeah. Yes, I think we we see that when when you somebody asks and I say, oh, "I'm just a vet tech." <laughs> no, exactly. I am a registered yes. veterinary technician. I am an educated and knowledgeable professional dedicated to the care of your pet while in my hospital. Yeah. That would love to be the response. Yeah. I yeah. can wear whatever I want. Yeah. But if I can say that message. Yeah. I am a professional, but it needs to be supported in the team. Yeah. So whether it's not the girls at the back, it's my RVTs, LVTs, CVTs, whichever. I'm sorry. I don't have them all. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) My RVTs are going to take the blood. Um, Our RVTs are going to meet on our website. They're RVTs. Mm -hmm. Their credentials are important. It's there. It's on their name tag. Shannon, RVT. Yeah. Yeah. I have a business card at the front. I can share. It's I love that about tech business, but part. it's yeah. about recognition across the board. Everybody mm-hmm. says it. Yeah. Everybody talks it. Everybody walks the walk. Yeah. And, and you know, that's something we're trying to do. Yeah. And we're not, we understand veteran technicians are all like extroverts like myself, <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're still proud of what we do. And, and we've worked hard, you know, in Canada as RVTTC, we've, we've revived the proudly RVT hashtag and we, but that's what we need to do as associations. We need to help. Yeah. We need to support them. The teams need to support and we need to change that narrative. Yeah. But it's not a visual thing. You can wear whatever the hang you want as long as you're clean. I, yeah. I have a thing about being clean, clean and yeah. I have a thing about being professionally yeah. presented so yes. that you don't have, have ripped fit. Ripped. Not you're not walking, you're not walking yeah. out to the appointment room <laughs> or the reception room with blood or spit yep. or God yeah. knows what else on you. 
you know, you're coming out clean and, and professionally presented. Yeah. It can be patterned. It can be whatever. Because, gosh, we love that because we're fun and that stuff. It's but, a cute yeah. profession. Like, we, vets, you know, we, we're, veterinary medicine has so much um, cuteness and yes. sweetness and beauty in all of the appointments, even the sad ones. There's beauty in all of them. And we embrace that really well. I think it, it really does go back again to taking pride in your staff. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, showcasing them and, um, exalting them to your clients. Yes. And I'm, I mean, from the equine side, the majority of our practices don't have credentialed technicians mm-hmm. in them. They have assistants, but in that same, same vein, if that assistant is your top stellar assistant and they are your right hand, you know, exalt that to your client, exalt that to the rest of your staff. And at the same time, you know, support them and going, you know, there's other ways we can get you trained and educated, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I just think it's taking pride in your staff and and showcasing them off instead of um, the separatism. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah. we're all on the same team here the same with team. the same exactly. goal. Baseball players don't differentiate. They all wear the same uniform. Or if you're on a football team or whatever, yeah. why aren't we all wearing? You don't have to identify. Right. If, as long as your patients and clients feel comfortable with your yeah. team, there shouldn't be an issue. Because yep. I think for the most part, if somebody comes with the, a question that you can't answer, you're going to pass it on and yeah. get the answer for them anyway. Regardless of what role you are. Exactly. Because I'll do that. Yep. Yeah. And none of us are going to step into surgery as a technician and yeah. take over that. We're just, we're, we're trained on the skills, a lot of skills that we have to master before we graduate. And yeah. that's what we want to do. That's what we, that's why I, I, I get asked, so when are you going to be going to vet school? Never. <laughs> that's not, yeah. That was never my goal. In fact, I looked at vet school yeah. and decided, well, that maybe veterinary medicine is not the career for me. I don't want to do a doctor's job. Thank goodness my high school counselor knew exactly. I walked in, is there a position that you can just take x-rays, do the lab work? Well, of course, it's a veterinary technician. I'm like, what? <laughs> Had no idea and started yeah. Started down another path two weeks later. And I love how the people on. that always ask that, like, when are you going to vet school? It's like it never occurred to you that you yeah. could go to vet school. Like, it was a right. conscious choice not to yeah. go to vet school. Exactly. Thank you very much. And yeah. one I greatly support because no one should go to vet school unless they're really sure they want to. Well, it's looking at all the core competencies. And we have, you know, we have focused on some core competencies that are a support Mm -hmm. to the veterinarian in their diagnosing, doing surgery and, um, you know, their, their core competencies. Mm -hmm. And without all of that, it doesn't work. No, it it doesn't. It's a, it feels, I mean, I I remember one time at a doctor's meeting, we had doctor's meetings on Friday evenings at a practice that I worked at. And yeah, I would go pretty late sometimes. And um, we had one of, the clients call after hours, you know, while we were all in this meeting, like one of the clients that you drop everything for, you know? And so they came in and we had to run blood work on this animal. And there were like six vets standing around the blood machine, like (laughs) looking at it. 
you know, with the instruction manual. We had no idea what to do. That was a valuable lesson because sometimes you're going to need to use the blood <laughs> yes. machine. But it was hilarious because we were like, okay, we can draw the blood. Now what do we do? <laughs> and it, it's on such a basic level, like we need each other. Yes. And um, I don't see the veterinarian as any more essential to that patient than the technician because we we are capable of making certain decisions, but we really don't have the skill set that you all have. And um, if we have it, it's probably because we've been doing the technician's job for too long. And I was going to say, <laughs> that, and that's not a bad thing. So if that's what your passion is, yeah, then let's be a technician instead. Yeah. You know, go for what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Because um, some people don't even know the technician role is available to them before right. they start that or school. that they have possibilities to yeah. do things like you all have done and take it you know as far as they want to take it yeah i, I, I want sorry deb I, I want to correct i want to catch a term when you mentioned the basic and i understand where it came from it's not a basic skill it's a vital skill yeah and it's a vital part of veterinary medicine yes and i and i i just like to just, I know, I understand, but it's like, it's, it's not basic. It's not simple. It's, it's, as you say, you have highly skilled doctors unable to understand how to do it. Yeah. It's vital information and knowledge. Yeah. In your team. Yes. Um, definitely true. And I think about a conversation that I had with Tasha McNerney. Um, yeah. she was saying that when she was working at one practice, she would actually unblock cats. Yeah. Like her doctor had so much confidence in her skills and training that they, you know, the doctor would diagnose and talk to the client. And then basically it was Tasha and an assistant and they would anesthetize, run the blood work, run the labs and block the cat, you know, set the cat up with catheter and fluids and everything. And the doctor would come back and check on it. And that was entirely technician and veterinary assistant um, after that appointment, basically. And that blew my mind because I've never worked in a place that let technicians do that. And it made me just think of all of the things that could be so much easier in life if we were allowed to do those things. And that veterinary assistant probably felt good too, you know? Um, And that assistance is a whole other conversation about all the things that we don't let, you know, they're, they're doing certain jobs that instead of doing other things to support technicians. Um, It's finding the gaps in your practice. Exactly. And, and then going to your team and going, okay, where are you in overwhelm or what is not getting handled or where can we, you know, mesh yeah. this better? And that's almost this triage template, you know, and self-assessment. Uh, just finding those gaps oh, yes. that exist in your hospital or in your practice and, um, you know, trying to, you know, work with your team to fill those. Where are you in overwhelm or what is not getting handled during the day or what are you as the veterinarian just doing way too much of so that you're not concentrating on the things you're passionate about? Mm-hmm. And that's like this triage template or a self-assessment. You know, I know it has to be kind of simple and quick so that, you know, it doesn't take up overwhelming time and consultants, you know, knocking through your doors you know, all the time. But something simple like that. And that's where, you know, the, the credentialed technician can fill those gaps that exist right now if we communicate, collaborate, and, and um, you know, search those out, have those conversations. And I, I just think that's been a missing. We've gone down this trail 
you know, ride your horses down here till they fall off the cliff. Well, no. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah, we like horses around here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, let's let's reassess here. There's there's yeah. answers. There's solutions that are right here that are willing to mm-hmm. fill those gaps. So, I have one more big question to ask you guys, um, and it's about money because. Obviously, people are going to be listening to this and saying, like, well, I would love to do that. But, um, you know, my doctors are the ones that bring in the big bucks. And um, they think about technicians who maybe want to learn more skills and take on more responsibility. But they say, well, I can't pay them any more than I'm paying them. How can practices think about, think differently about finances um, to make it possible to compensate their technicians fairly and appropriately for doing this work and for the professional professional education that they have. So I'm, I'm going to ask a question. Is it truly the veterinarians that are bringing in all the money? That's a very good question. Because they have a whole team behind them. And I would say CSR, the assistants, the technicians, everybody has some touch point on that patient and client throughout their visit. And I get um, veterinarians come out of school with a lot of debt, but no one really points out that the techs also come out of school with debt. And I cringe when I see McDonald's paying 15 bucks an hour when some of the technicians aren't even making that. And I know that we did a survey when I was NAVDA executive director. Technicians, there were many of them that were making below poverty level. It, it broke my heart. When I, I know that Deb and I can relate. I started 425 an hour back in the day, and it was like no benefits, nothing. But if you want your team to continue, you have to put some investment into them. Um, health insurance is another one that yeah. you want your teammates there every day. Well, then let's keep them healthy, too. Um, and I, I don't think that many veterinarians realize that techs have to work two to three jobs yeah. to just make ends meet a lot of times. You know, yeah. that's, I can't imagine why they don't stay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's true. I mean, you don't see your family, and it gets to be very hard. Um, well, it's, um, you know, there's creative ways that you can rework your financial plan in your practice. Um, you know, instead of, well, just paying a technician this, you know, amount of money, how do I know they're actually contributing to that level in my practice. Now that's your own self-assessment, but you can charge for tech appointments. Mm-hmm. Um, anesthesia technicians, there's a charge on you know the the invoice. Well, part of that should go to that anesthesia technician. Um, surgery techs, telemedicine techs, imaging techs, ICU. Those are areas where we are taking the lead and probably doing the majority of the work. So look at your financial, you know, charging whatever you're doing in your practice, and maybe allot some of that towards those people who are actually creating and sustaining an income center for you. 
veterinary medicine is, is largely set up in a production-based model. Yeah. Production compensation. Why is your tech not involved in that? Yeah. And especially now with a workforce crisis and you're short of veterinary and you can't find it. You already have the framework and the budget for a veterinary salary. Why not distribute that to those that are filling in the gaps? Find a way you've, while you can. You've got this, you've got the budget for it. Yeah. And losing employees and having to train new ones is extremely expensive from what I understand. I've never owned a practice, but um, I know there's some pretty good data on what it costs to lose an employee. And I can't think of a bigger reason why I would leave as a technician than feeling like, you know, they just keep looking for vets and looking for vets and looking for vets. In the meantime, I'm getting paid, you know, a salary that makes me have to go work at a restaurant on the weekends. And that just, it, it kind of just feels super icky just to say that. And we have data. Like, oh, I, I knew in Canada, we, the Ontario, um, the Ontario Association of Veterinary Technicians, OABT, they did the value of a of an RVT survey, an economic survey, to investigate and and collect data on the income generated by an RVT. Having a credential veterinary technician in your practice can generate uh, eighty thousand yeah. dollars in revenue. Yeah, you know, to a practice. So if utilized and that, and that appropriately, was a few years, right? And that was a few years ago, even. So you know, the revenue is there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an equine, you know, rewarding the technician for catching all the missed charges, you know, out Mm -hmm. in the ambulatory, even in the practice. Well, that money should go to the technician, cut those charges. Well, guess who will wake up real quick when all those charges are going to the technician? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Pay attention to what I'm writing down and not writing. Like, there's no reason for an efficient and uh, efficient veterinary business model to be rewarding and productive for everybody mm-hmm. there's no reason why not yeah and if you're doing mic drop <laughs> exactly there's no reason we see it happening we know we know we see some unique models that are just mm-hmm. brand new and blowing the numbers out of the water it's working mm-hmm. it works and just are you are you courageous enough to try something different and it's not always about just the money like you were saying, you know, there's there's other benefits that you can reward mm-hmm. your staff with, you know, the the CE allowance or, um, you know, being able to go to, a, um, a, you know, a special conference or workshop or whatever or insurance and, you know, even paying for those scrubs that don't have the little cutesy puppies running all <laughs> or over. Do, yeah. Or do. Or <laughs> do. Whatever works for you. Shoes. You yeah, know. shoes. But yeah. it's, you know, when I was working with practices, too, and I would ask the staff what meant something to them. Again, don't assume. Go ask your staff what means something to you. Yeah. And sometimes it was, can I just have an afternoon off during the week so that I can go take care of my children's, you know, you know, whatever's going on with them. I can go to the dentist. I can get my car fixed. Yeah. They don't ever have any time to do any of that. Yeah. And so it's, it's again, just, you know, checking in with your staff what means something. Now, granted, you know, five ten dollars raise will mean a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> However, um, again, be creative with um, how you can make it work so that everyone feels like they are contributing and reaping some of that reward. And that's, that's how you create loyalty on your teams. Yeah, that, that uh, makes so much sense. And there was 
you know, there was one other thing that was popping into mind when you all were talking about this, which is um, the communication aspect of our jobs as veterinarians is exhausting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have spent so much time talking to people. <laughs> And at the end of the day, it makes you feel like, you know, I'm just exhausted. I don't want to go home and talk to my partner. I don't want to talk to my friends on the phone. And oftentimes those conversations were happening at 8.30 or 9 at night because that's the only time I had to do it. And it was expected that I would have those conversations. And I just think about, I mean, the technicians at our practice spent so much time listening to me talk. There's no possible way that they did not have the ability to go in and say the exact same thing only with the technician spin on it, which oftentimes is more approachable um, to the clients right there in the exam room. And clients accepted it. You know, they when when we had technicians go in and talk to clients, they I rarely heard a client complain that they they didn't get to talk to me because our technicians did such a good job. And that I think is something else really important to point out is that it is absolutely possible to have trained technicians doing epidurals and unblocking cats and doing all of those very technical jobs that veterinarians may not want to do or have the time to do. But it is also possible that you have a technician on your team who loves talking to people and would be a fantastic person to say, hey, can you talk about pet food to this client? Or can you talk about heartworm prevention to this client? And know that they're going to do as good or better a job. Um, And so for practices that aren't utilizing their technicians and maybe don't have the resources or capability to train them in, say, epidurals right now, um, that can also be a very empowering thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Team approach again. Yeah. Find out what your team loves to do and let them do it. Just even the simple, hey, you did a great job today. Oh, yeah. Or, yes. Great job on that black cat or catheter, whatever. I mean, it's just the little bit of recognition and, you know, the recognizing of what we're doing together as a team. And a simple thank you, and that goes both ways. You know, we need to also thank the veterinarian for thank you for showing me how to do that so that I could, you know, be better at it and help you be better. It, it goes both ways, and we need to be respectful of that so much more than I think we are, how much those two little words can change your day. Yeah, we need to be colleagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And support each other. Yeah. Absolutely. All members. Well, I I can't think of a better way to end on than on that. Um, I had 382 other questions for you all. <laughs> And we already have them answered. Yeah, I know. We'll just keep you here all day. But I think you, you, all three of you raised such great points today. And that's really what I wanted people to hear is I wanted people to hear the passion that you have for this topic and for your profession and your colleagues. And here just, it, it feels, I know it's not easy or simple, but listening to the three of you talk about it makes it feel easier and simpler because we have everything we need right now. And that doesn't mean there isn't room down the road for more. But right now we have tools to make our profession better and solve some of the problems we're facing. And there's nothing that feels better than that. You know, just, it's an optimistic outlook. And I love that. So thank you so much for spending the time. Thank Thank you. Thank you. This was just outstanding. Yeah. Aha has been great. And thank you for letting us chime in and 
be heard. Please chime in <laughs> we again. St- oh, don't, I was going to say, don't think this is going to yeah, shut no, us no. up. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, we did our episode. Bye. <laughs> no, I, we want to hear more about this from you, and um, I'm sure we will down the road, because I know this is a big priority for AHA, too, is we want AHA to be an organization for the entire team, and not just veterinarians and practice managers. And um, I think there's, a, there's an opportunity here for us all to work together and really elevate all of the different roles in the veterinary team. So that's a big goal, I think, for us for next year. And hopefully we'll be, all three be a big part of it. Excellent. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure and it's been an honor. And we're just happy we can share because... I don't know about you guys, but I'm not done yet, are you? No. Well, and what's really cool about all this, I don't know if we're certain, whatever, but the three of us have just created this bond and relationship that never would have happened potentially without, you know, the instigation from AHA. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been one of the blessings I'm going to put on my board out of, you know, this journey. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Aha is an instigator. Yes, <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, no doubt. All right, wonderful. Well, thank you three so much. It's till we meet again. It's a wrap for now. <laughs> yes. Well, you were awesome too, Katie. Yeah. Thank you. I Thanks, mean, Katie. you were just very relaxed, and I loved how you contributed to the conversation and got us thinking, and you got thinking, and <laughs> it's it was fun. your energy played uh, very well. It's good to have different perspectives and. It's energizing. Yes. Yes. So I hope people listening feel energized too. And um, to everyone listening, thank you. We'll catch you next time on Central Line. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Central Line, the AHA podcast. If you love what you hear, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. For more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine, we invite you to visit aha.org. That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.